welcome to A Wee Blether About, a podcast from the academic skills team at UWS. I'm Linda Riches and I'm one of the academic skills advisors at the university. We hope you're enjoying these podcasts. We're certainly enjoying doing them because it allows us all to have a good chat, also known as a blether, about everything related to academic skills. Today we're going to have a chat about critical thinking and reading. As usual, I'm joined by my fellow academic skills advisors, Dr. Kevin Wilson. Hi, Kevin. Hi there. And Ben Farrer. Hi, Ben. Hello. So being critical in academic writing is another of those huge topics that we get a lot of questions about. So we're going to split this into two easy-to-listen podcasts. In this one, we'll think about what critical thinking is, how it's a skill that we already use, and how we can apply it to assignments. And in a follow-up episode, we'll look at critical writing and how you get that element into your work. So let's start off by defining critical thinking. We often have students saying that they've received feedback that their writing needs to be more critical. And we know that critical thinking and critical writing tend to draw more positive comments and higher marks from tutors. Um, But even understanding the term critical thinking can be confusing. So I'm going to come to you, Ben, first, put you in the spotlight. Um, Can you shed any light on us for us about what being critical actually means? Because it's a term people can find quite confusing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things that it's very common essay feedback and there's sort of an assumption that, you know, we all sort of understand what it means, but it's not the most obvious and intuitive term in the world. Um, I think it's it's more about, rather than thinking about what you know, it's thinking about how you know what you know, how reliable what you know is, how you came across that information, and kind of thinking about how your knowledge interlinks with itself. So rather than thinking about... Um, you know, if, if you think about your sources or your references or something in an essay, rather than thinking them uh, as a sort of linear string where, you know, one follows the other, follows the other, follows the other, think of it more like a web, you know, how do they link together? So, you know, do things agree with each other, disagree with each other, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one thing that I, I often say, and I, I think, you know, it's probably something that we all say, is that critical thinking is not... Um, just an academic skill. It's something that we all do and we do it all the time. So the example I always say is if you were going to make a big purchase, you know, if you were going to buy like, you know, a new laptop or a car or something like that, if you went to the shop and the person in the shop said, this one's great, would you just go cool and buy it? Chances are good you wouldn't. You'd think quite carefully about, you know, well, do I trust this person whose job it is to sell me this? Or am I going to go and listen to other opinions? Am I going to go and, you know, do some research, check and and see how valid this information is, and then make a decision based off of thinking about that kind of thing. So you you employ these skills all the time. Um, It's just sort of when it comes to your essays and that kind of thing, it's about applying that same sort of logic of, you know, do we do we trust this? Is this knowledge correct? Or is there a bit more thinking to be done? And, and can we sort of consider it a little bit more? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, sort of making that link to the fact that we already do think critically, because I think sometimes students think it's something unique to academic writing, but actually it's it's just employing those skills in a slightly different way. Um, I was going to ask you, um, Kevin, about even the word critical do you think a lot of students think that means that you always have to look at the negative side of something I sometimes find students find the word critical actually difficult to get their heads around 
Yeah, definitely. I think that it's it's easy to, you know, in day-to-day, I suppose there's kind of three usages of critical. There's critical as in something that's really important. There's critical that we kind of more commonly use as something, you know, if somebody's an overly critical person or a very critical person, we kind of think of it as a, a negative quality. But once you frame it in a kind of thinking context, not just in an academic way, but, but, but in, a, you know, the context of, of a thought process and, and, and thinking about things, and this kind of critical way that we're talking about, it's much more positive. And it can be as much talking about the limitations of something as it can be talking about the strengths of something and, and why something's important or why we would uh, we, we would look to do something. So, yeah, that, that's one of the, the, the kind of key things, I think, to get our, our kind of heads around at the start. And, and, and I think there's, there's also sometimes a tendency to think of it as always, you know, if we don't think of it just being as negative, sometimes people slip into a kind of, um, a, a, a mindset that it's got to have this for and against. Now you've got to have, oh, I've got a positive and now I need a negative and then they're going away and trying to find a source that says the opposite of what they've got. When If you're doing that, then you, you're kind of going down this route of, of deciding what you want to say before you've written it, which is kind of the opposite of critical thinking. And what we need to do is instead say, right, what is the idea that we're interested in? And then, you know, gather the research together and form a point based on that, like Ben was saying, in terms of the connection. So if everybody's in agreement that it's a great, you know, theory or idea, then that's what your point is. If you've got two people saying different things about it, then yes, our argument might reflect that positive and negative. But I think, yeah, there's, there's a kind of tendency once we get away from thinking of just as critical negative to sometimes think that we've, that we must have a kind of for and against, which... You know, sometimes might be there, but 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 it's not the not the essence of it. I think that's that's another thing to 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 kind of keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'm thinking about that. And if we sort of then sort of think, okay, we're going to have that inquiring mind. We're going to think that there could be lots of different possible angles. Um, you know, how can we do that when we're reading? How can we keep track of that when when we're reading? Is it a case of making notes I think Ben you mentioned previously about sort of taking notes when you're reading um, is that what you kind of advise students to do to sort of keep track of those thoughts as they occur to you when you're trying to sort of read critically I think so yeah because I think otherwise it's you know when you're doing any piece of academic writing and particularly the, the further into your studies you get you will be reading an incredible amount um, and it's very, very difficult to remember everything. It's very, very difficult to keep track of, you know, what was I thinking as I was reading this? Was I agreeing with it? Was I disagreeing with it? You know, if you find some kind of point, um, it's worth jotting it down as you find it, um, because there's nothing worse than sitting there, you know, a day before the deadline thinking, I know I read this somewhere. I know I read this somewhere, but I can't find where it is. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely find a way to take notes as you do reading. I mean, as much as anything else, it saves you time when you actually come to the writing process because then you've got a lot of the kind of notes there in front of you and you already have done a lot of the work. Um, And there's evidence that you've done the work to yourself in terms of like, I know I've read all this because I've got all these notes on it. Um, So, I mean, different people have different approaches. Um, I think I mentioned on one of the other podcasts, um, if you go to the critical reading thing on our um, careers and skills resources, um, there's a very good little table that you can get that um, has things like, you know, methodologies, sample sizes, questions raised, main arguments, et cetera, et cetera. And you can jot that down. Um, other people like to make notes in the margins. If you're reading stuff on PDF, stuff like Adobe Acrobat has um, really good note-taking facilities and that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, so there's the, just find a system that works for you, um, but definitely kind of make notes and, and try and annotate things. Also, I know at some point we're going to talk about software, but um, Inspiration is very good um, as a mind mapping software for kind of figuring out how sources link together as well. You can just make a little, you know, if you make a mind map with a bubble for each source, then you can sort of draw arrows and like, oh, this connects to this one and that links to that. So if you're a visual learner, that's really good. So find a method that works for you. Everyone will work slightly differently, but definitely do the work as you're, as you're reading it will save you a lot of time when it comes to writing yeah and i think it's that idea of sometimes students think oh i need to do the reading and then i need to just crack on with the writing but actually i think it comes back to that point we've talked before about the most important part is the reading and the thinking about that and then making those notes and putting those ideas down so that when you come to write the writing feels like a more natural process really um Often I think I see students who have tried to do the writing first and then I think back to what Kevin has said before about then they're trying to fit an argument into what they, they say or they've got an idea, they've already sort of had an idea in their head about this is what I need to talk about with this topic and I've not opened my mind to other points of view. And so then that makes it a bit more difficult. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, I think just to add to that, I mean, taking it back to the start, I think it's important to remember that when, that when we're writing critically, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're open to, you know, learning, a, you know, we're open to new understandings about all the things that we're encountering, but, but we're also kind of, in some respects, critical thinkers about our own thinking, you know, we need to be aware of if we've got, what you, what you don't want to do is exactly what you're saying, Linda, is just, you know, and I've seen it plenty of times, the student's written most of the essay and doesn't have any evidence in it. And then what they're going to go and do is try and find all the evidence, which basically supports essentially what they wanted to say right at the start. And really, if that's what you're doing, uh, you know, deciding everything and then trying to just fit in pieces of evidence which supports what you think, then you're not really being critical. You're, you're not finding out anything new. You're just confirming your own opinion, I suppose. And in order to be critical, we need to be sometimes aware of our own biases essentially going into a topic leave them to the side and then you know find out you know through good quality research what what's what's out there often we'll find that you know the research confirms what we thought initially which is great because it means that we you know good good insight but you know we need to have that ability to, to come across new things and if we you know if our, our minds closed as we go into the research we're, we can't really i don't think term ourselves as critical critical thinkers yeah and i think it's it's okay to have a bias i think sometimes when i say to students you'll ha you may have a bias or you will have a bias about a topic they sort of think no i won't and you say well everybody does really have you know informed by knowledge they've already got or informed by their own experiences um that, that then means they may have a bias for or against a particular argument and it's about opening your mind to actual different aspects of, of that um, discussion and maybe ideas that you're a bit uncomfortable with or that you don't really want to read about or that you know you don't find um, any common ground with but just you know being aware of that and then being open to looking at these different points of view. The other thing I was going to ask um, Ben was um, you know, do you sometimes find that students feel they can't question reading because it's been written by a an expert, because it's a journal article, for example, and, you know, someone with letters after their name has written it, that as a student, they don't feel they're qualified to question that? 
Yes. I mean, when you, I mean, you know, Kevin will tell you when you get your PhD, that means you are unquestionable and you know everything and you are always correct in <laughs> yes, all yes. circumstances. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, there, there is always that sense of, of, you know, I can't question this, you know, this person's an expert on it. But just because they're an expert doesn't mean that they're always going to be right. And your job really as a student is to, um, you know, engage with the thinking and not just sort of, you know, you don't have to agree with it all the time. Um, as long as you are, you know, open to those ideas, like we've said, I mean, it all comes back to the idea of, you know, being open and, and exploring the ideas in an honest way and in a way that um, isn't just you kind of looking for things that agree with you. Um, but if you do find things that you, you know, you think that doesn't seem right or, you know, I, I'm not sure that that's, that's entirely accurate go and see if there's any evidence to back you up. And often you you will find this kind of thing. I mean, it, it's very apparent that, you know, the people who are writing these journals and that kind of thing can be wrong by the fact that, you know, you'll often find ways that the literature doesn't agree with itself. Um, so you'll you'll find situations where, you know, one person's written a paper that says one thing, somebody's written a paper that says the complete opposite thing. They can't both be right. Um, so, you know, why assume that they that they are, you know, be critical about it and think about it. So, um, you know, your your writing um, is your sort of opportunity to engage with um, what's out there and, and what's been written. And so don't be afraid of critiquing it, criticizing it, as long as those critiques and criticisms are based on evidence and they're based on sort of um, information that you can find that's valid and isn't just you saying, well, this person's wrong because I, I, I'm pretty sure they're wrong. I can't find any reason why they're wrong, but they're probably wrong. Go and find the reason why they're wrong, and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Kevin? Is that sort of the kind of thing that you say to students? Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially just the whole thing about evidence, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the more evidence that we've encountered around a topic, the easier it is for us to... And I think this is the important thing. It's not that we're... It's not that we can't say anything or have a voice in our writing. Indeed, if the if the, if the assignment's asking you to be critical or establish a critical discussion, it's effectively asking you to step into the debate, but you must step in with, you know, some... At each stage where your voice comes out, you must have evidence to support what you're saying. It's like, you know, this difference between just saying what you think, you know, or saying what you know. I think I had a lecture say that, you know, what you think might be just your kind of opinion going into a topic. What you know is what you've gathered from the evidence in, in, in order to kind of establish your position. So really, the, the more evidence, the more, and by evidence, obviously, we're, we're talking primarily, you know, we're talking about academic sources or books and journals, but, you know, mm. we can widen it out to more reliable kind of uh, publications and stuff. But really, these are the type of sources that, you know, the more kind of consideration we've given to, to sources around the topic, the easier it is for the, us to then establish a, a clear kind of critical statement within our, our within our discussion for us to you know that, that idea of being critical is, is what is your you know what is your that's where your voice comes out in the writing and that's really important part of right, being at university you know the, the, we need to you know you're no no longer passive receptacles of information right Pass, you know nodding along to everything you receive right you're expected to be you know engage and and have a voice but there's got to always be people backing you up there as to, as to what you say i think that's that's the kind of last thing i'd say about that yeah so that idea of you know thinking why it's always the why question isn't it if you're looking at a different approach or you're looking you know put yourself in someone else's shoes and think why are they taking that approach what evidence have they got to to back up the approach that they're taking and mm -hmm. it's it's maybe just overcoming that fear for students because I, I do think there's a slight fear especially if you're first year where you just think oh i, I can't challenge this i can't say this because i'm not qualified to do it but as you say kevin 
actually being at university is about, you know, challenging ideas and, and you know, deciding what you think about the evidence that, that you've managed to gather. Yeah, and I think just going back to, you know, Ben's idea of connections, like it's, you know, it's, it's you know, you sit, you're situating yourself within the academic debate by positioning, you know, what you say within the context of all the other evidence. Mm. So as long as you've got that evidence there, you can be part of the debate. Once we're, once we're just standing alone talking without any evidence, and that would be presented in form of references in your essay, then that's the parts of your kind of writing which was won't stand up to scrutiny. You know, so mm. it's, it's the evidence that's key in allowing us to to, to have this critical voice. Yeah. Um, any sort of final thoughts on that, Ben? Any sort of tips? I usually sort of give students a tip of when you're trying to find, um, you know, different points of views that to make good use of sort of reading abstracts, you know, that top part of a journal article so that you can make those decisions about whether something's worth exploring in more detail or not. Any other tips like that? so that you can help students to sort of separate, you know, the, the reading out, because there's so much information out there. How do you decide what you're going to use and what you're not going to use? Mm, I think that's a really good tip. I mean, definitely use abstracts. You know, your abstract is sort of, you, you know, I always think of it as kind of like a sales pitch for the, mm, the yeah. essay. You know, they, they want to sort of tell you about it and, and give you a sense of whether or not you want to read it. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, it's slightly counterintuitive in some ways, but I always suggest, you know, read the abstract, read the introduction and possibly read the conclusion as well um, before you kind of jump into stuff. Because a lot of the time when you're when you're reading stuff, you know, you don't necessarily, unless you're doing like a really engaged literature or something like that, you don't necessarily need to know the ins and outs of every piece of the methodology, for, for instance, or something yeah. like that. Um, or you don't necessarily need to know all of the background, if you already know the background, for, for instance, to, a, to a, um, a piece of research, you know, if it's about something that you know, you can maybe just sort of dive into that kind of thing. Have a look at that, see if it seems relevant. And then if it seems really, really relevant, um, then, you know, read the whole thing. If it seems partially relevant, then maybe delve into the discussion a bit more. And then if it doesn't seem relevant at all, then, you know, shelve it and that kind of thing. Um, you know, you can almost do it as a kind of traffic light system as it's sort of, you know, yeah. green is super relevant, amber's sort of, maybe there's a few things in there and then red's like, mm, probably not, but, you know, if things, I mean, as we've said, I think the whole thing comes back to the thing that Kevin said at the beginning, where it's a case of you go into your essays with an open mind, you go into your essays not knowing 100% what you're going to say, and you use your reading process to discover that and to find out kind of where you fit in the equation um, in terms of, you know, what stance are you going to take? Where does the evidence fall? What do you think is the most compelling argument? And then you make that argument. So I think, you know, the the, the best tip is approach it with a you know a very open mind in terms of thinking about what does the evidence actually say what's the information and then you know argue based on that because oftentimes you actually sort of hamstring yourself if you go in thinking i'm going to make this this specific argument because sometimes you'll just find that you're you're wading upstream yeah. um so yeah. yeah but you know there, there's there's lots of different approaches but i think that's the that's the critical part no yeah. pun intended. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good point for us to to stop on this one. Just that idea of being open minded. If that's what people take away from this podcast, that's as that's as good as anything. Um, what we'll do in the next podcast is we'll take that idea of critical reading and thinking and we'll think more about how that's applied to writing. And I think we would also say, remember, you know, 
being critical, it's a skill that you get better at over time. So you're not expected to come to university instantly knowing how to be critical. Um, but hopefully we've shown you that if you've got an inquiring and curious mind, then that's half the battle. So remember, you can always book um, a one-to-one -one appointment with academic skills advisors via careers and skills to chat over critical thinking, critical writing, any aspect of academic skills. And as always, we'd love your comments, your feedback on the podcast. If there's a topic you want to hear us have a blether about, then please drop a line to skills at uws.ac.uk. Thanks for listening.